Welcome back. I'm the Gnarly Gnome, and this, this is Drinking with the Gnome. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about wine, something that I know very little about. However, we're going to ease our way into it by talking to Josh Elliott. He used to be with Urban Artifact, a brewery here in Cincinnati, something that I am way more comfortable with. And we're going to talk about his new project. It's called Fruit Blood Wine, and it is uh, super fruity wine, like really fruity. If you are familiar with Urban Artifacts beers, uh, this will not be that far of a cry from what you are familiar with. And it makes a nice little uh, easy road for us to get into wine. Um, so uh, we're going to jump into the interview uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll wrap things up afterwards. But enjoy this one with Josh. It's, uh, it's a fun one and it's going to make you really want to drink some wine, which is okay. Josh Elliott, welcome to the show. Let's start with the very well, and we'll drink some here in a second, but let's start with a really basic kind of uh, overview of what makes something wine versus what makes something beer. And I know coming out of a place like Urban Artifact, that line is very confusing. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, uh, that's kind of how it started is uh, we were we were doing experimentation to uh, kind of blur those lines to begin with with uh, other beers like astronaut food right. or... Oh, I mean, hell, most of our beers that like the the upper limit was how much fruit we get in without changing the composition legally to to wine and right. it's um, fermentation uh, or like the sugar sources. So sugar sources under 50 percent or under 49 percent. I'm not sure what it is. If it comes from grain or like sugar, uh, then it's it's beer like a, hell seltzers are um, considered beer. Uh to uh, the TTV, I think, right. and um, and then wine is fruit, ideally grapes, but anything that's fruit from from above that. And hell, um, fruit wine is even treated differently than than regular grape wine. So, like you know, cider, cider is technically wine. Yes, yes, but they, it, you know, <laughs> so that, confusing. Also, that has its own laws too. <laughs> right, so, well, like, but even like the, just the the classification of all this stuff is so confusing. And I don't know how much it matters to somebody who just wants to drink something, but like you know, especially when you start talking about seltzers and uh, you know these RTDs and there's hard teas and there's lemonade and there's there's all this stuff that. Um, trying to figure out where it all fits in this bigger kind of classification is so confusing. I think that's kind of what I like about some of the developments, especially kind of on the, on the urban artifact side that have happened is that like, it's kind of a, a middle finger to it and, and kind of playing around with it and being like, all right, you know, what is this? I, I don't know, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. And I, I like that about this wine too, because this takes wine in a very different direction than, than what I think anybody is uh, used to, especially around here. Um, let's, let's crack into one and, um, uh, I want to talk about what this stuff is. Sure, that sounds great. Um, we're going to start with Love Bite. Uh, Love Bite is a pet nat, um, which just means petulant natural. It's a French term, and what it means is uh, we bottled this before fermentation was complete. So um, carbonation comes from is natural is natural to. It's not like we injected CO two into it. Right, and. Uh, the end of fermentation is the tail end of fermentation is what provides the the bubbles. What is the, so? I've heard people talk about natural wine before. Um, is that what that is, or is that? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, in fact, you know, we would have been making like natural wine styled beer the entire time 
like, uh, so when I was working at Urban Artifact, I was the head brewer at first. And once we got the like main brewing program settled, um, the thing I moved on to next was the barrel aging program, right. which was all spontaneous fermentation. And that's, that's, it was really easy to move on into wine because natural wine is largely identified as a spontaneous fermentation. And then other, other qualifications with fruit, like, um, uh, low intervention when it comes to farming or biodynamics and other, other stuff like that. But, um, that's, that stuff is, is, is hard to, to achieve or to hard to find fruit that isn't grapes that are treated right. that way. Um, so, uh, the larger identify, largest identifier we're using for it is like, um, low intervention when it comes to fermentation. Don't add any yeast. Um, don't add anything else weird or a sulfur even. I don't add any sulfur. So you're not you're not adding yeast to it at all. You're mm. just kind of letting whatever is naturally on the skin of the the fruit or whatever kind of just take off and do its thing. Yeah. Uh, so what I've uh, it's not unlike the way we did Missing Link or any other like it initiated the barrel aging program or artifact. Um, so the way that started was by taking a bunch of jars of of wort, sterilize right. it, sterile canning them, and then um, leaving them open hundreds at a time, and then what fell into it, uh, and then let that ferment and then taste them along the way, get rid of the ones that grow mold or just taste bad, and then end up with ideally two or three jars that fermented well, tasted clean, and and like ate all of the sugars in, in the solution. Um, so with the, the wine, I do something very similar. I um, When the fruit shows up, I will pull portions of it off into like quart-sized mason jars and the ones that start fermenting first and taste the best uh, within the next couple of days, get kicked up into like a, another thing of the same juice that's five gallons. And then if that still tastes good, that goes right back in the fruit. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of <laughs> is. Uh, that's, that is uh, one thing that's really different about wine from beer is beer. A lot of the work is up front. The wort production right. is really heavy and kind of sucks. And then uh, cellaring is is less work and then it's more work at the end with with packaging. Right. Um, but with, with wine, it is work pretty much all the way through because you're, you're adding fruit in, stirring it, and then pressing it out is a super labor intensive process. And then it sits in ferments and then you, you have to bottle it really quickly afterwards. So this, I mean, this, this method that you're, you're using, is it, um, is it just a romanticism kind of thing of it? Or it, it, do you think that there is a, an actual physical difference between I mean, of course, there's, of course, could be flavor differences because of the yeast, but um, uh, is it because of the process or is it because of the product that you're getting out of it for you? Oh, the process? Yeah. So um, I, I stick with the process that I have because... You I, know what I mean? As far as is the fermentation, you know, this this idea of natural fermentation and that kind of spontaneous idea. Oh, um, it's because I got, I, I figured out how to do it really well at UA and... Um, I, I got I got good at it. Got very comfortable with it, and um, there. Oh, and it's because uh, natural wine is is rising as a concept, and so I I ended up with the skills of being able to produce natural wine along the guidelines a lot of right. folks are asking for. So it's like, oh, why not? Yep. I can I can do it. So right. why not? And then <laughs> and then we always had fruit around to experiment with and and stuff to throw away because like a, a good portion of the barrel aging program was if it doesn't turn out it goes, it goes away. So, uh, I mean, not being afraid to, to throw things away that didn't turn out made it really easy to practice and figure out what worked and what did not work. Yeah. I, it's fun. It's, it, and I think that that's something that, especially in the wine world is missing 
in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different wines. Yeah. That's just not fun. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And that was another part of it. It was like, so, so another benefit of coming in from the outside was like, uh, I was able to see a lot. I, I wasn't really familiar with wine, but what I did really like was champagne. Um, so, uh, my interest in wine kind of stopped at dry, tart, sparkling. Um, and, uh, I, the, the, the walls of like the gatekeeping of, of inf- learning about wine is really hot. I mean, if you, if you buy a wine bottle, look at, look at the label on the back and it, it tells you very little about like right. what the wine's actually like or what it tastes like or, or anything besides like where it was grown and, and the family that grew it. And like, what, what is that? That doesn't tell you anything. Right. So going the opposite direction and trying to uh, make something just fun. People want, want like that you'd want to enjoy is, is really the, the, the whole point. Well, and it's it's really good. I I was drinking it while you were talking, and I you know I I think when when I first uh, saw this this wine, I think in my head I'm thinking, okay, it's uh, you know going from that urban artifact idea. Okay, so it's overfruited wine. I'm like no, because that's that <laughs> yeah. can't exist. <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> but this is like so fruit forward. Maybe like it doesn't it doesn't you know you're not trying to create something that uh, the fruit all goes away and you're left with some kind of dry. Thing. It's 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 fruity. Yeah, it's fruit like basically fruit flavored wine. Right. is kind of is kind of what's felt like to me. It's like, um, so I'll make I'll I'll, I'll buy grapes uh, and then ferment that with the fruit together. And the the point is that the fruit stands up. That's how the flavor of the fruit stands up above the grapes because like I mean honestly, what this all came out of was wanting cherry champagne. I was like, somebody's got to make that right. Right. And then looked for probably. I don't know, 2016, 2017, when I started it, like the, the idea of it and, and looked and looked and looked and all the ones I could find were just sweet. I guess, I guess legally champagne, there cannot be cherry champagne. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But like something like that. Right, yeah. Right, but you're, right. I mean, you're right. That was another thing I had to figure out too. It's like what, like the, those kind of weird restrictions about where it's from and, and well, that kind of stuff. I just, I, I really like that. Um, all of these have their own personality. Like it's, it's not, it's not trying to explain to people what it is using some kind of other, you know, wine terms that, you know, it's, it's, this is its own thing. It's, it's kind of, uh, that has to kind of be tough though, because you're, yes. you know, yeah. you're, you're trying to, you're trying to teach people about this product, um, when it's something that a lot of people have never seen before, never tried before, never had any experience with. Um, do you find most of, uh, the people that uh, your your customers um, is it people coming from the urban artifact kind of side of things from the beer world that are really into kind of fruit beers or is it the people in in, in the wine world that are just looking for something different and something refreshing that is uh, kind of a different take on what wine can be? I you know I guess I haven't it's not it's not really been one or the other so much. I've been kind of surprised at like. Um, most of my customers seem to be from Northern Ohio and there's a lot of like grape industry up there, but right. there's also like, um, like it's really rust belty up there. And there's a lot of people who are my age who, who just don't buy into, to wine the same way. And so I think it, 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 I don't know that it hits necessarily beer folks or wine folks. I think it really calls to people who are disinterested in the way wine is presented or disinterested and, and, and like fruity sparkling drinks. Right. Um, and I, it, you're right. I think it exists in a continuum of like UA beers and seltzers and a bunch of other stuff that, that, that has been fruity, dry, sparkling. That's, that's really risen in prominence over the last three or four years in particular. Right. Um, 
it, it's you know there's there's a lot of of wines that I you know I'll drink them. I think that they you know they go good with food. They kind of bring this other thing out of a, out of a meal. Um, I like a product like this that kind of stands on its own though. Like I don't necessarily, not that this wouldn't be good with dinner, Yeah. but I don't want this with dinner. I want to <laughs> sit and I just want to sit and I want to drink this by itself and have a dessert. You know, it's its own thing. It stands alone. And I, I think that that's, uh, I think that's the big kind of difference for me of the, um, the drinks that I enjoy are those ones that become kind of the, the star within themselves versus having to be kind of supporting characters to something else. And, I think a lot of wine for me just has to be supporting with something <laughs> to no, something else. You know? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm totally, totally, I know where you're coming from. That's like, a, like I said, I, I didn't really know much about wine before getting, getting good at making it, before really putting, putting a lot of effort into learning how to make it, um, besides having, having an idea of what I wanted it, an end product to be like. Um, but no, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. It's also uh, uh, the, the business model of a lot of, um, direct shipping or almost all direct shipping, right? Like you don't, uh, I, I think higher gravity probably carries some, right? Yeah. But yeah. other than that, like, I don't know of any other stores where you can go out and just grab this. Uh, no, I've, um, I've been working on trying to get into a handful of stores like jungle gems is somebody I've reached out to. And, um, uh, Oh, Oakley wines was somebody who, who started trying to like conversation with it to right. get in, in their shop. Uh, but most, most of this is most of our sales come from direct consumer. Oh, club. Our club is a really big one. Um, because the club allows us to, um, I have an idea of how much wine I need to produce mm -hmm. uh, and, and per batch. And um, if I can rely on on that uh, income, I can I can kind of produce, like, produce uh, like a plan on the future really well. Right. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, it is it is uh, direct consumer. It's also, I mean, I'm, I, I'm assuming there are lots of wineries that, get a lot of business from direct to consumer shipping. They, they were kind of one of the, the first alcohol industries that was kind of allowed yeah, to kind of go that route. But it, to me, it's still so much about the, the, the winery, the, you know, you think of a winery, you think of these, you know, fields full of grapes and like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. And that's what, you know, the pictures, even if they don't have a, you know, a, <laughs> a, a vineyard, it's, it's on the label and it looks like they do. And I think that this, just this 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 different kind of mindset of that's that's not what this is is so interesting to me and something that um i'm i'm really curious to see uh who the consumers end up being if it is like that old kind of wine crowd if they are <laughs> going to can i have this you know vision in my head of who the the wine drinker is and you know we've all got this vision <laughs> somebody that's dressed way too nicely to be drinking and they're just kind of swirling and just kind of getting all hoity-toity about it and uh, i'm curious to see if those people kind of start to shift in the same way that beer drinkers did over the years you know um or if it's just capturing this whole new segment of people that ignored wine for so long because of that image, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not dissimilar to urban artifact. A lot of urban artifact fans weren't necessarily craft beer fans before they, before they got into UA and now right. they're still not necessarily craft fans, but they're into UA and they're into UA as a beer. And it's like, it actually really helped having that experience, um, with the difficulty of selling urban artifact beer and, ex and tell, explaining people what it is and, and showing how it's different, um, from the beginning. Cause it's, it, I mean, gave a pretty good roadmap of, of where to start and, right. and, and how to start like, um, uh, showing that to folks, uh, educating people as they're, and it's, you know, I think it's, it's, 
there's an easy side to it too, to where you just try it and yeah. you're probably yeah. going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. beyond that, once, once you're then drinking it, then you go, okay, now let me tell you about it. You know? And then <laughs> you can kind of start to get really nerdy with it and you can go as, as deep into that as you want to as a, as a drinker. Um, or not, you know, I, I think that's, that's fun. Dude, you're totally right. So that was, that was another thing. Um, like we were, like we were talking earlier about, um, wine being not necessarily stodgy, but like ha- hard to get into, hard to understand. And that was like, I found that as somebody who was like high up in like kind of top, top of local industry in beer, I found it really off putting that wine was so challenging to even learn about for me. And it shouldn't, I like, I, I, I made my money and fed myself and my pets from making beer. I should be able to understand wine. Like it shouldn't be a challenge. Like it felt like it was. So making a wine that is good just on its face, or if you, if you're a nerd about it, you, there's plenty to dig into because like, like you, you mentioned earlier, the spontaneous fermentation and uh, low intervention and um, like there's a lot of depth there, but if, if you're not interested in it, it, I mean, it goes down great. It just tastes like tart, cherry, dry, bubbly yeah but (laughs) if you want to dig into it there's there's room to dig into right i it's it's a very fun product and i i guess like i said before i think that that to me is the is is the biggest secret of all of this is that it's just fun it's fun to drink it's fun to look at it's fun to fun to experience and um you know when you when you think of kind of as a a a new beer drinker a new wine drinker if you walk into a tap room Mm -hmm. and you're like i don't really know what i'm doing i don't know i don't know anything about beer my friend said i should come here and you know the first thing the bartender does all right we'll try this and then you know you give a couple Mm -hmm. samples try this try this try whereas i think the winery they typically they just want to sit there and talk your ear off first about why wine is this and why it's that and i think that that culture difference is what kind of this brings into to, to wine uh, yeah um, i think i'm um, not into pontification <laughs> no <laughs> like sh- it, it tastes good or it doesn't like right. and like shut up don't 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 like preach to me about it but it's i mean it is so funny because this is a, a, a product especially talking about you know this specifically that there is a lot that you you can say about it there's a lot of things going on so it's it's uh difficult not to yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or not you know um i i enjoy it a lot this is, uh, so the, the one we just tried was Love Bite, which is um, uh, just tart variety of grapes called Colombard, French Colombard, and then uh, Montmorency cherries, which we use plenty of at, at UA. Uh, d- cherries, I, for a long time, I, I thought I hated cherries and drinks, and um, specifically some of the stuff that, that, that Urban has done over the years kind of completely flipped that for me. And, um, it's now like my favorite thing in the world. Oh, that's so this, sweet. This that's is really great. This is, this is absolutely delicious. This is, um, this is good, especially yeah. on a day like today. It's, it's hot outside. This is refreshing and tart and just bright and, um, summery. It's, it's, it's good. Thank you. Do you want, do, would you like to try another? Um, absolutely. All right. Um, so you can, I'm finishing mine though. Class. <laughs> so we'll open this one next this is much more um along like a uh, traditional wine lines this is called mercury retrograde it is uh the only red blend that we make right now it is um boysenberries with um capsav grapes and another grape variety called barbera so you say the only red blend that you make you don't consider that a, a red blend what is a what it's, is a red blend it's got white grapes in it okay although it looks red because of the, uh, although love bite looks red because it's, because the cherries. it's cherries but if there were no fruit in there it'd just be it'd be a white, it's a white wine yeah okay. yeah whereas this is 
red grape varietals. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And it's, it, it works out really well because um, the, the, the tannins and boysenberries just really nestle right into the rest of like traditional red wine flavors. And it comes off like, uh, it adds a, like a, it's, it's very much like uh, adding some vanilla to UA beers. It can, it can, it can add a perceived sweetness that, that isn't there and makes it a lot more mild um, and not, not nearly as like hefty or, or robust as a lot of folks want That's out of like, a well, giant red wine. It starts very, very kind of heavy and robust, like that very beginning of the sip. And then those berries come in and kind of smack it yeah. really hard and, it's, and then it becomes kind of that, that light, fluffy, kind of fruity mm-hmm. um, thing that you're expecting. Uh, Again, great. Thank you. <laughs> really, yeah. really fun stuff. Um, I think you know, for uh, for a wine drinker, somebody who is kind of more familiar with normal wine, mm-hmm. I think that this is probably kind of that nice kind of easing into it where uh, it is, I guess, compared to the Love Bites, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more wine forward and then kind of finishes with that, that fruit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and... and y- you're you're totally right. Like that's that's kind of what we've been seeing in terms of sales as well. Like um, this, th- these two are far and away. Uh, Love Bite and Mercury Retrograde are far and away the the two most popular. And I think um, the the similarity to tradi- more traditional wine is what's made Mercury really good entry point to the brand. Right. Um, and it's also it's it's still it it doesn't have the bubbles that that the other ones do. So that's that's another thing that some people may just not be into is is like sparkling wines. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, the artwork on all of these are very distinctive, very kind of um, uh, modern kind of. Uh, how would you describe it? Avant garde. Okay. Like um, fun, not necessarily irrev- irreverent, um, offbeat. Um, not cutesy, not fun or not, not precious was, was, so when we're, when we did a call to artists, um, so, uh, I, I work with a designer, um, named Becca Miller and she's done a really, really great job of like making the brand look the way it does. Um, and it was really, really cool because I got to sit down with her and tell her what I wanted to do, what I wanted to highlight and tell her the things I wanted to avoid in terms of wine and then gave her, I don't know. Uh, a couple of sketches of things I had in mind. And then she like a month or two later came back with a living version of something way better than I'd, I'd ever <laughs> like wanted, want, like I'd ever pictured in the first place. Right. Um, uh, yeah. And, and so she's helped me connect with um, a bunch of local artists to, to do the, the different labels. So, so the labels are different kind of different artists for each one. Yeah. Yeah. So we commission uh, the, the we commission kind of look. label artists for it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and she helps get that. So, um, Love Bite and Mercury were both done by um, somebody named Hannah Williams. Um, she's really cool. She lives over in Northern Kentucky and does uh, uh, like other just other graphic design work. And um, this one, which we'll open here in a bit, called Venus Flytrap, uh, was a collaboration with Urban Artifact. So we had Scott Han do do a label on it. So it's like it looks kind of familiar, but it does odd, now that you odd say for that. odd for a Scott Hand um, <laughs> picture, and then um, the the other one I have on the table here is called Feral Cat, and that was um, done by an artist. That's I mean she can she can probably see the brewery from her house. She lives here <laughs> in Northside, um, and there there are, a lot of them were artists that uh, Beck had worked with, and and um, they 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 really did, did a great job. I, I love it. Again, it's just it's fun. Like you look at it and you know that it's something that's different than all this other stuff that you're surrounded with is in the wine world. And, um, 
has got to be like, how does that happen? That like for so long and, and, and maybe I'm just completely out of the loop and maybe there is somebody, you know, in California or something that's doing something like this. But, um, how does an industry like wine that's been around for so long and has so much money and so many drinkers behind it, how has nothing like this happened before? I think it's, I think you're, you're right. I think it's starting to happen. Um, cause like now that I've gotten into it and have started, um, focusing and learning a lot more about natural wine, I'm starting to see other brands that look, that look similar, um, to it or, or, or rather, um, coming up and, and have, the, have just the same, uh, I don't know how you, how you even place that, like, uh, um, proposition of just making wine more, more fun and, right. and less wine-like. Um, <laughs> but I think a, a lot of wine has been, is like, there's just a lot of money in it. And, and a lot of it's just, it's still like, it's just been sold in, in a way for since like the, like the what thirties. Yeah. Similar, like the 40s. similar like the, the bourbon industry where like, it's uh, not that it's not fun, but it's, it has, it has its, a look. Yeah. It has its identity. And if you stray too far from that, people might have trouble understanding what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Uh, and I, that actually, now that my mind goes down that, you know, road, now I'm curious to see what the next kind of innovation in that industry is and how can somebody kind of take something like this, this idea of being fun in wine and add that into some of those spirits that are um, on their own, maybe not uh, hoity toity, uh, <laughs> but, but have, have a very set identity that they're afraid to stray from. Um, no, you're, right. you're interesting. absolutely right. So yeah. interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, just avoiding that and just not, not, not coming off, like looking like something completely different was from the outgo from, from the get go was something where we were really, really interested in. Do you want to open another? Absolutely. Okay. So we will do, let's do this next. This is, um, Venus fly trap. It is a collaboration with urban artifact. Um, and this is also a different kind of wine. So this is more of, um, it's uh, something called a piquette, which is like pretty much historical day laborers wine. Okay. So um, the the people who were pressing the wine or collecting grapes from from the fields and pulling it in um, would not have had been given the the wine to drink. But I mean, they would have had access to the the, the grapes after they pressed them. So a lot of times, what they did was took those grapes, added water back to them, maybe a little bit of sugar, and then made something that is uh, lower ABV and sparkling that they would uh, bottle up and drink while they're working. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's made with um, the, the grape skins that we use to make the other, the other wines, the white varieties of wines. Ooh, yep. ooh that's interesting. It's rosé, really easy to drink. Good for summer. We just we just released it. We put it out last month. Um, it was our, our club release for April. It had been targeted for March, but we're a little behind. That man, it took forever to get labeling through through approval. Um, why? But, why is that? Um, just just because of their backlog of stuff, or that was part of it. And um, I had never had to push something through um, formula approval before. I was able to make the rest of these wines in such a way that I didn't have to get formula right. approval on top of label approval. Um, but because Piquette is on a label, they they ask a lot of questions in. And I, so I had to back out of label approval, go through another process, and then 
get label approval afterwards. And then like, I, I think it's just like everything right now. I think it's just kind of slow. So even our label, even our label manufacturers were. What were, is it about the, the piece of piquette? Is, is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, what is, what is it about having that on there that kind of, um, uh, they tied it, it up. So they call it other than standard wine or, or like imitation wine because, uh, it, because like, like I said, it's made with like grape skins less rather than just the grapes themselves that is the silliest thing ever yeah right well okay <laughs> i yeah i you're you're right but say you've got a bunch you've got millions of dollars tied up in protecting california grapes and right. protecting california wine you're going to do everything you can to keep people from perverting it or pulling wine focus away from your state or or other things like that they're just there i mean it's just like anything else there's a lot of people trying to protect what they have by putting limits on other things. Right. Yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. So this is just really tart, bubbly, sparkly. Yeah. Easy if, to drink. I feel like it would be a good, uh, good start to a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Like there's like that, there's that little bit of, uh, um, I don't know if it's a, hang on, let me, let me drink it again. Um, like, a. It not, it's not really a tannic bite, but I guess maybe it is. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's like is a little sweetness bit. kind of. You do feel it on your tongue like yeah. tannins, but it's. I think it's. Um, it's. Uh, so we left the great one thing that's different about white wine versus red wine is red wine. You often leave the wine on the skins to absorb tannins out of the out of the skins. Okay. Whereas white wine, you just press it and then separate the two, which is one of the reasons why I was able to use um, grapes for or the skins again for briquette. Um, and so, or for flytrap, um, so they the white the white grapes do lend a little bit of of tannins. Just you never pull you never you never have wines that are left on them or like they call them orange wines, but wines that are left on the skins long enough to pull any sort of tannins. Wine? Now that gets even more. Confusing. Yeah, I know. Let's try not to <laughs> to bring that up for that reason because I don't, I don't like it either. I just try to avoid the concept of of so it's. Or orange wine yeah. is kind of like a white wine that they leave on the skins long enough that it pulls more color out of it. Oh my god! Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's kind of like weird IPA stuff. It's like why why subdivide instead of add category? Right, but I mean, even just the the I mean the the color descriptor um, makes me think that it's wine made with oranges. Yeah, which, well, which also kind of sounds thing. delicious. Yeah, no, that's also a thing. That's that <laughs> that is another thing that I haven't I haven't experimented with, but like um. With doing with doing um, key punch like we did, I don't ever want to have to zest that much <laughs> fruit like ever, ever, ever again. But couldn't you do it on a really small scale? And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so are all of your wines? Is it all still grape based though? Like there still is a either a, I don't know if you consider it a majority or not. I don't know how much fruit is going into these, but is it still um, grapes? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so the, the, the technical term is called co-ferment and it's just co-fermenting two types of fruit that or two types of grapes. Sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so the, the whole point has been, um, really just start with, uh, enough fruit to get as much flavor as I want and then add enough grapes to, to add enough grapes to the ferment so that the ABV hits more of a level that I want and, um, adds, adds just some more familiarity. Gotcha. So you are, you are starting with the fruit. Both, uh, both go in the tank together. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then they're all pressed out together and then, and, uh, mixed from the beginning, gotcha. which is one of the reasons I do that is so that, uh, that's the way 
according to the government, that's the way wine is traditionally gotcha. made. So, gotcha. so I, I stick with making that procedure so I don't have to do the, 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 the weird hoop jumping. Right. Will that go back into the formula approval kind of stuff? Where yeah, you have to, yeah. 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 And that was like, and I mean, that was the way we were making, that was the way we were making beer, um, the barrel aged beer. So it was like more labor intensive, but I was comfortable with it and right. I was familiar with it. So it was easy just to move forward with that process. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's really a mix of, it's, it's typically a little less than 50, 50. It's more like, um, 65, 70, 35, 30 for, uh, between fruit being the larger portion and grapes being the smaller portion. Do you have any, uh, any wild hair to kind of do something a little bit different and, and, and go like, you know, all fruit or, you know, something else that, you know, you, these aren't, um, uh, showcasing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, um, I've been experimenting with that. So I've been experimenting. So one of the problems with doing that is, um, if I don't add any other sugar source, um, most of these fruits will only ferment out to be three to 5% at the tops, which is like not great. People want more than that when, right. when they're drinking things. So, um, adding, uh, like cider apples has something that's, that's been, um, I've experimented with or just started experimenting with, um, last month I bottled, uh, an apple wine that we had made, uh, that was just straight up apples. And then for the club, I made, um, like a version that I, I tossed a couple cinnamon sticks and vanilla beans in, um, and mm. put that aside for them and put it in tiny bottles. Like this really cute little 187s. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, for the most part, yeah. So, so yeah, we're experimenting with that. And if it, if that tastes good with, or, um, another thing we're, we were experimenting with is, is something called chapelization, which is just adding enough sugar to the fruit to get it up to 10% ABV mm-hmm. or like, uh, like as a, as a base. And, um, you know, if that tastes better then and, and ferments dry and, and makes a, a product that I like just as well, then, um, that'll be another direction we'll, we'll consider going in. But, um, starting with, Starting with this me- method by co-fermenting grapes and fruit was was something I was familiar with. So it was start there. See, I, when I I'm tasting these, especially this last one, it kind of it makes me want like a like a, like a, a cider, like just mm-hmm. just apples, something that kind of um, has a little bit of funk to it, a little yeah. bit like that's. Um, I think that'd be fun, and I think that uh, there aren't many places that would. Uh, be willing to kind of play around with that and try that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you're just saying that. You're absolutely right. Um, no, and I, I, I feel really fortunate to have been working at Urban Artifact like I have been. Um, they're they're really really progressive employers, and um, they like saw saw that we could do this. Saw or saw that it, like we and Brett Brett had been really like supportive and and realized that this was an option. This is something that like we could do and didn't exist in the market. And, um, yeah, they, they, um, they're, they're now my business partners. So the, the decision to kind of spin it off into its own thing versus leave it as part of urban artifact, how did that come about? And, um, and, and, and why? Uh, it was, it was licensing. And, um, I think part of the problem was, Oh, um, like, uh, Uh, just keeping the businesses separate. Um, so by we, we wanted to keep the businesses separate. Um, so that meant I had to get a separate license and go through my own kind of, um, permitting process and, uh, get uh, a portion of the, the basement and the rectory set up as, as winery making space. Right. And then, um, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I, I think it's because, and also like, like autonomy. I think they, they, and and I really, I really appreciated how how progressive it was. But um, they, they were interested in letting me feel like letting me like own it, like own it, right? Um, and it's like a really, really sweet, really, really. I, I feel really, really thankful to have ended up here back in 2015. Well, it's uh, it's it's really interesting like to think of um, with how this brewery industry and in, in the city is kind of evolving that there is a place like urban that can can spin off an idea like this and then maybe one day it spins off another idea and then maybe another like it comes, yeah. becomes this kind of um uh incubator of thinking different about what these drinks are supposed to be or can be and kind of i guess like we talked earlier about just kind of experimenting and playing around with stuff and having the uh, uh the, the, the freedom of mind to do that not just the actual physical freedom to do it, yeah, just yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the way to start thinking differently about it and um what if we do this or what if we try this and uh, i think that's 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 cool as uh as a as a drinker in the city it's it's again i think it's unique i don't know i don't venture out enough but i think it's unique <laughs> no I, I i think you're i mean i think you're totally right too they're they reward curiosity and um interest in other folks and and like what's they're not going to turn down bad ideas or good ideas. Like, and, and, uh, that's kind of, you know, I mean, hell, that's how the, the sometimes, beer works. Sometimes that's they how the won't turn started. down bad ones either. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The, the durian beer. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Milkman still sucks. Yeah. I liked Milkman. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's, but that, that was also the process that we used to develop all the rest of the beers. It was, right. okay, we want to mix our beer. Um, okay. People don't really seem to like it. And then that was why we moved away from just Brett beers because people didn't seem to like them. And then, so, okay, if we've committed to making just sour beer, how do we get people interested or how do we like it? And then, um, after experimenting and playing around, it became clear like, oh, if you put fruit in it, it makes, it can totally contextualize the acidity. So you're not like, oh, this is a weird sour beer. You're like, oh, it's just like fruit. And and all fits together much more smoothly, and right. and so, um, yeah, just just being that that open and willing to to explore ideas is is uh, a, a major a ma- led to a major success of of urban artifact, and and led to this as like um, uh, or, or fruit blood specifically as like a further distillation of right. of um, the the ideas and, and thinking that that went into make to make urban artifact. Well, so it's, it feels, it feels familiar because of kind of the mindset behind the product, even though the, the product is, um, is very different than the stuff that urban is doing. Well, I shouldn't say very different. It's no, it's still fruit. <laughs> it's still fruit. It's just, no. But like it, it, it feels comfortable as somebody that, uh, that is coming from the, the urban artifact side, uh, as a drinker, you know? Yeah. Um, so the one you're, you're about to drink right now is called feral cat. Um, this okay, so this is Loganberries and um, Abreño grapes, which is just a, another variety of tart, dried white grape. Um, and uh, we decided to put the cat on this one because it's a lot easier. For it would be like, I want the one with the cat on it, or tell me about the <laughs> one with the cat on it, or let me just try that one with the cat on it. Then it is to explain what the hell Loganberry is, right? So um, just to, to, to sidestep that having that conversation a million times, <laughs> put a cat on it. People are going to want that anyway. This one's really like floral almost. Yes, too. Like man, right? Um, that's it's amazing how different they are. So see on the back, um, we put uh, the flavor or the aftertaste being like a lemon rose sorbet, yes. which is like what jumps out of the glass at me about it. 
Yeah. And that was another really important thing was like giving people an idea of what to expect before they open it on the bottle. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's something, again, coming from the, the, the urban artifact side of in my mindset, I think I think urban was the first one that I can think of in town that just had, you know, three very distinct flavor descriptors on the top of those cans. And, you know, it would tell you the. You know how the the feeling of it, the the aroma of it, and then the the taste of it. I don't yeah. know what the yeah, whatever was, but whatever your expectations. But it was be. just it was just that perfect descriptor of this is what you're going to get with this beer, and um, I think that that uh, you know you, again wine world kind of a little 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 strange sometimes they tend to have these big long kind of. Uh, essays on the bottle of you know <laughs> the, the, the romanticism of it and you know, this you know this this the vineyard was started back in you know 16 whatever and yeah, it doesn't yeah. tell you anything about what the actual experience of the wine is it's trying to get your which which is you know valuable too of trying to get your mind into a certain uh, place but um, it doesn't doesn't help me as a drinker <laughs> well it, to, so uh, it made me really mad when I was trying to learn about wine in that when I realized that, cause it was like, what the hell? Like, why? Like, what, just tell me about the wine. Or like, it made me feel like what's wrong with the wine that you're not telling right, me about right. it. Like why, why not tell me, why not let me decide? Like, why are you trying to prove how fancy or, or on the rich or whatever you are? On the flip side, I think beer has kind of suffered a little bit the opposite where mm-hmm. it's not capturing that other kind of aspect that uh, you can't really uh, you can't really describe, you know, the, the people that you're with, the experience of drinking the beer, the place that you're at, all of those things that kind of uh, make it. Yeah, yeah, the thing that does make beer taste better. Mm-hmm. Um, breweries haven't been able to kind of explain that to customers very well, whereas wine has done it way too much. Ah, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, you know, uh, like it, I I don't know that, I don't know that that's bad necessarily it probably it probably stops beer from being able to reach out to a certain customer base um by by not doing that but um now being on the other side of it now being on the the producing and having to 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 make it be a certain way thing it it just feels really disingenuous when i read when i read like why are you making me read a paragraph about shit i don't care about like (laughs) right like in this and and i got nothing out of it at the end so it's just like uh, Stop. Yeah. I mean, leave me alone. Hey, you got to find that nice middle ground for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, I think, um, I, I think podcasts like this are so important. People can kind of start to kind of get some of that other feeling about a, a wine or a producer or, a, you know, a spirit or whatever it may be. Um, while you still have just front and center right in front of you, oh, this one, you know, is uh, lemon rose sorbet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And that kind of goes back to what we're talking about um, with champagne. Like champagne, one of the reasons why um, I would drink it and why I stuck with it was because, like, I already knew everything I needed to know about it. Right. It was going to come out of the bottle super sparkling. It was going to be – it was not going to be sweet. Um, well, I mean, you – Sometimes it can be, but it's easy to spot what's going to be or what's not going to be. Right. And then um, it was it was just going to be tart. So that's I mean that was why I only bought like I mean cheap champagne. Also like there's a fun aspect in kind of like rolling your eyes and um, not doing like drink not not doing the stuff you would normally or what what the wine industry wants to sell you on right. champagnes. <laughs> therefore, 
So like like well, knocking the enough of a bottle and drinking directly out of it is for, not something what they want. But for like, me, I, I go the other route. I'm, I'm a wine spritzer fan. Like I'll yeah, take, I'll take yeah. a bottle of wine and dump it in a glass over ice and then put some Sprite in there. And people look at me funny and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, man, this is good. That's, <laughs> so that's another thing. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I'll totally recommend like I don't. No one cares. There are no rules. Like it's you're, not the point. You're if you want to drink it on ice, drink it on ice. Over ice. Yeah, absolutely. I think, it, I think especially that the 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 love bite or love bites, love bite, yeah. love bite, bite. Yeah. Um, would be really good over ice. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, like by the pool. And uh, yeah, that's that's something I've like told told our customers or or, or like uh, drink cold, break out the break out the fancy glasses and like drink over ice if you want to. Right. No one right. cares. Like what? Like. Who, who am I to tell you how you like it? <laughs> exactly. Like I, I can go to hell. Like what? Like <laughs> uh, if people want to uh, to learn more about Fruit Blood, uh, how do they get there? Uh, where do they go? What's the best way? Um, probably the best way to learn about it would be to follow uh, our Instagram page, which is uh, at Fruit Blood Wine, and um, or go to our website. Uh, uh, and um, you can order order all our wines there. Um, Join, join our fan club. Oh, you can, uh, Urban Artifact sells wine by the glass. Um, and, uh, so does Hoppin' Vines. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to try something and you don't want to go and invest in uh, a full bottle of something that you are on the fence about, um, go somewhere and, and drink a whole bunch first. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit like we've got a, a kind of a back channel way to kind of get people to be able to, to, you you can order the wine and pick it up at Urban Artifact, and there's a way you can order it instantly and pick it up and have it ready for you to pick up if you want. Um, but yeah, Urban or um, Higher Gravity across the park carries it, and now up at Summit Park they carry it as well. And uh, man, I think that might be it. Oh oh, a bottle shop up in Columbus carries it. The bottle shop, which is I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's totally worth the the stop like next time you go to Columbus like check them out to Columbus to go there well <laughs> if you combine it with dirty francs yes yeah absolutely um so everybody get on chat well, I'll try to remember to put links in the uh, the show notes and by try to remember I will do it this time I promise <laughs> and you can click right on there and, and go right to uh, all of the uh, different uh, channels for uh, for fruit blood oh but, or you know what e- email me all the all those pathways go to my inbox eventually <laughs> so like like call text email uh, josh at fruit blood it doesn't it doesn't matter how like if you have any questions yeah, just let don't, me know. don't be afraid to ask questions about this stuff that's that's kind of the fun of it and uh um it is a little it is a little strange it's different than what you're used to so don't don't be uh, don't be afraid <laughs> to step out of your comfort zone <laughs> thank you very much for taking some time um to sit down and, and drink with me thank you this has been really fun <laughs> it, was, it was great um i like drinking wine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time yes yeah I have to give a huge thanks and a huge shout out to Josh Elliott for sitting down with me, uh, sharing some wine and sharing some some knowledge, some things that uh, I really didn't know about the brand and about wine in general. And uh, it, it really kind of starts to get me excited about the wine industry, which is something that I never thought that I would say being a uh, a diehard beer drinker. But uh, here we are. Here here I am thinking about wine. So get out there, uh, get some, um, go to the website. You can order it on there, fruitbloodwine.com. And you can uh, you can get your own and uh, and then listen to this again and drink along with us because uh, that's that's kind of what makes it more fun is drinking together right right we'll be back next week uh, I don't know what we're talking about but we'll be back 
And if it's not next week, I'm sorry. I don't know how to do this sometimes. It's it's chaos. It's always chaos. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Drink it with the gnome.